Hello and welcome to The Cute Life, episode 13. 13. Yeah, I actually remembered to say the episode number this uh, week. My name is Oliver and I'm here as always with my beautiful wife, Finley. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Changing things up around here. I'm taking over. This is my podcast now. It is about uh, Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie heard some hot gossip on the train, which is, well, it's fairly riveting. No, it's not. Ignore that. Anyway, how are you, Finley? Someone got caught wanking in a shower, apparently. Word on the street. Word on the train home from work. Yeah, train facts. Train facts. Um, what? Did you ask me how I was? Yeah, episode 13. Episode 13. Unlucky. Spooky. Yeah, we should have a spooky special, but I don't know. You I can do any, anything spooky on my agenda. On your spooky agenda. <laughs> um, well, we can do a Halloween one in October. Oh my God, that would be exciting. So there's like, save your spooky stories for that. Yeah, um, I'm good. I had a very productive day. I did a painting of a very cute, I think it's a golden labradoodle. It's very flu- floofy. <laughs> floofy. Floofy. Um, so that was good. But I listened to Suffren Suf- Stevens. Is that how you say his name? Mm, yeah. Suffren. Um, his album, oh, I can't remember what it's called now. It's basically the album that came out in 2015 and it's all about his relationship with his mum and it's really lovely but very 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 depressing oh good because it's all about grief because basically his oh she's dead yeah so his mum left his mum left when he was one and was an alcoholic and like a depressive um and so he had a really fraught relationship with her and then she died of stomach cancer in 2015 so then he wrote this album about his relationship and about his grief and it's really lovely but very upsetting i don't know what kind of music is it you know sir friend stevens it's like a bit like oh what's his name devendra barnhart kind of nice i don't think i know really I think you'd know um, a few of the songs. I think we are, I put one of the, his songs on our wedding playlist. Mm. It's very nice. It's a bit kind of like Beirut kind of as okay. well. It's like nice, relaxing guitar music. Yes. Yeah, well, no, his, he's wrote a song about John Wayne Gacy, um, oh. the serial oh. killer. Yeah. No um, wonder you're a fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I really like his music and I hadn't actually listened to that album fully and wow, it's great. I mean, his best work, but it's, yeah, really upsetting. Oh, well, sounds... Maybe I shouldn't have listened to it this week in particular, which is a depressing week for me anyway, as it's Father's Day coming up and everywhere I turn, I'm reminded that I don't have a father and it's awful. But that must be nice getting... Um... <clears throat> Emails from every single company you've ever bought anything from oh, in your whole life sake. reminding you. Honestly. I got one from... It's so insensitive. It's ridiculous. I don't forget about Father's Day. Uh, don't worry. I fucking won't. I got a... Um... Reminded about it and every tur- everywhere I turn, some sort of poster reminding me. <laughs> I got one from a company today that's this new... Uh, software that makes con- doing condition checks on artworks easy and they had a and they had a father's day discount fuck on it. off guys also it was like called like it was called something like big daddy 20 was their code which i thought was really creepy that's really <laughs> creepy very very inappropriate <laughs> 
I don't know. It's just, I don't, obviously people have fathers. I think it's lovely. Go out and hug your father and tell them that you love them because I can't do that anymore. And I feel like everyone should go off and do that. I feel strongly about it, but does it really need to be plastered all over social media? Does it really need to be constantly bombarding my inbox? It's just like all a sales thing. And it's not really about loving your father. It's about making people money and it means that people like me who have difficult relationships with their fathers or they're dead. Um, <laughs> like, well, which is a difficult relationship. Well, yes, um, which is a bit of both for me. Um, yeah, and it doesn't really help that the anniversary of my father's death is um, in the same week. It's next Monday and, wait, next Tuesday and Father's Day is on Sunday. Yeah, It's like a piss take. But then I was thinking about it today, like maybe it's a good thing because... Although it's really shit, maybe it's just good to get it out the way. Get it all out of the way in one go. Rather than it being split up over the year. So that's how I'm choosing to look at it. Mm. You're choosing to look at it much the same way that people whose birthday is on Christmas Day (laughs) try and find a positive in that. It was my father's birthday on Christmas Day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, this is depressing. Anyway, sorry. Um, well, it sounds like you had a, a cracking day. Yeah, I don't know why I went on that depressing tangent. Because you listen to depressing music. Yeah. Did you listen to any depress- depressing podcasts? That's you. Oh, I way. did actually. I listened to Terrible Thanks for Asking. It was about a woman who had... Um, she kept going back to the doctor saying, oh, like, my stomach's really big. Like, I feel like I've kind of got a balloon in my chest or something. It's really odd. And they were just like, no, you're just getting fat. Nice. Like, go off and lose some weight. And she was like, okay. So she did. And then it was getting bigger, her stomach. So she went back to the doctor and saw another one. And he was like, no, you're just getting fat. Like, don't worry about it. And then she went off and saw another doctor. And the other doctor said, hmm yeah, maybe this isn't okay. Maybe you've got a hernia. So then she was going to Australia. So she went to Australia with a, like on a school trip. And then when she came back, um, she had like her CT scan. Um, and it came back that she had a ginormous cyst on her ovary. Uh. So big that it took up, like it put, was pushing all of her other organs like aside. And like they said, they drained five litres of fluid from Ew. it. Five litres so she was fine i mean she had a horrible scar from it obviously and um it affected her um they thought in many ways well they thought it might affect her fertility but she didn't actually know because she decided that she didn't want to have children because of having such a traumatic operation and for it and it was to do with her ovaries that she didn't really want to go through it again. So it was basically, yeah. It, was, it wasn't the most depressing, terrible thanks for asking episode I've ever listened to. Well, if she's still alive. Yeah. Which by most of your standards are. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the most positive podcast you ever listen to. Um, do you know what bubble tea is? Yeah, though it's that tea that loads of tourists, uh, um, the... Uh, School trip children always drink when yeah, they so come it's like, to London. Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> I've never actually drunk it, but it's like no, a milky tea, and then it's got these weird, like, little pearl kind of... Sounds absolutely fucking ...blobby things in it. Well, this reminded me of the story you were just saying. Girl, a girl 14 years old has been found with 100 bubble tea balls trapped in her body what? after being taken to hospital with horrific constipation. <laughs> God, you would do, wouldn't you? Uh, so Zuli, the 14-year-old, 
uh, went to hospital in China because she was drinking so much of the pearl tea. Couldn't do a poo. And here is the photo of her <gasps> intestines. Oh, no. Oh, my God. So, basically, it's an x-ray and it literally just looks like... She's got ball bearings. Someone's full of balls. Oh, my God. She's just full of marbles. Um, That's horrific. Wait, what are they made out of? Plastic or something? Like, I mean, surely they're meant to dissolve. I don't really know. Do they just go in one end and come out the other? Apparently they're very difficult to digest. So anyway, if you're going to drink loads and loads and loads of pearl tea... That's what happens. Just uh, be careful or take some laxatives. Wow, this has been an interesting episode so far. Just talking about... Dead fathers and... Dead poos. <laughs> poos. Yeah, well, there you go. That's it. Um, oh, I just was <clears> reminded <throat> of that lovely story that I read earlier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do we have to talk about? Oh, we went to the RA summer show last week, didn't we? That's what... Why, yes, we did. Know, we left off last week. Uh, it, was, it was good. It wasn't... Um, it was quiet this year. It was very quiet. I mean, it was the collector's evening. I hadn't seen it, like, advertised as... Like, the Grayson Perry one... Last year, Grayson Perry uh, curated it last year. And it was heaving. Uh, but they advertised it so yeah, much. Really it was also did. the 250th anniversary. Yeah. We do a thing at work where if we have like two or three like shows that we know are going to be really big and hard work, we'll put in like an exhibition that we know will be easy. Mm. So either by like an artist who we've already got all of their work in storage or... um I don't know, like, or like a little group show and we just like pull things out, you know, and that, it had that feeling to me like this, like they were like, well, last year was really intense, so this year, let's just take it a bit easier and... Yeah, maybe this should have been the year, the year that I entered because <laughs> I might have actually got in. <laughs> no, I They don't. had a whole room full of animal art and I was like looking around like, oh, maybe I should have entered something, but I don't know, I'm... My, I don't know. I don't know. Com- I I'm don't... not confident enough to enter something. I also have conflicting feelings about whether you'd even really want to. I mean, I would. I mean, I kind of feel like just I. It doesn't even matter if I sell anything. Just like to have something at the RA. Like for me, I just feel really proud. Um. Well, it's. I don't know if you've seen, but like it's been pretty slated. In reviews, people what, have said year? it's like the worst year ever. Really? Which is a bit extreme because it's not I mean, the worst year. No, I, I mean, mean, there was that piece that had like a rabbit spreading its arse cheeks or something. I think it was an owl. Uh, it was a, a if humanoid. If you followed it on Instagram, you would have seen You would have seen it. Anyway. It was like a humanoid thing with yeah. a rabbit's head spreading its butt cheeks so you could see its arsehole. It was interesting. I just was looking at it like, that got in? They, apparently they had like 16,000 entries and that got in. And they also had, not that I'm slating 10-year-olds, oh, I think it's lovely that he drew that Mars bar, but did it really need to be in the RA? No. No, it was a, a Mars bar packet by a 10-year-old. I could see that if I wanted to go down to the primary school. You shouldn't be going into a primary school. <laughs> okay, well, just saying. Show me the art. <laughs> I, I'm not slating a 10-year-old's abilities, but... It's just, in a, in a, it was a Mars bar. In a paint-off, you would beat him. Well, I, I should fun. hope so. <laughs> mm. um, anyway, yeah, so it wasn't... But it was a fun night. Yeah. We had and a I great... still think it's worth going to. 
Yeah, there's bound to be something that for someone there. Like, there's bound to be something you like there. I mean, look, everyone gets annoyed by that thing where you read about a show and it gets really good reviews and then you travel like all the way to London or wherever and then you go in and it's like three photographs and you're like, in a white room and you're like, what? Is this it? Yeah. Okay, cool. And then you just leave and you're like, well, it took me 45 minutes to get here and I looked at the whole show in three and a half minutes. Mm. At least you don't get that with the No, R-A there's so show. much to see. There's too much to see. You can't really see everything. So it's definitely value for money. Yeah. Um, and if you go to the collector's evening, you get a lot of free champagne. So, as we good. found out, as we found out, as we already knew, <laughs> yeah. hence why. We went. Hence why we always go. Yeah. Um, and then we went to Garlic and Shots afterwards, which is this little like, how would you describe it? A dive bar, metal bar. It's like a metal bar. Yeah. Um, Slash garlic themed restaurant. Yeah. So um, you can get like, they do these things called blood shots, which are like tomato juice like a whole clove of garlic tabasco and tabasco and vodka. and vodka and you shot them um and we used to do it all the time we used to go all at the time practically every week when we were at uni um and we haven't been in god about five years or something yeah, crazy so um yeah we went there for nostalgia's sake it's really good so if you're in london in soho definitely check it out if you're in soho in london and you're looking at everywhere and you think i don't really like the look of all of this stuff then you'll definitely like garlic shots. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, and then we went to Wagamama. Yeah. And had... A vegan got, egg. So in, in Soho, they've got the experimental Wagamamas where they put in new dishes before they send them out to all the other Wagamamas. Oh, I didn't know that. So they're trialling dishes. Yeah, basically. They, and they sort of do like the weirder kind of stuff. Mm. And yeah, we had a vegan ramen with a vegan egg that looked like an egg. It looked... It, exactly like a really nice runny egg um but it did not taste like one i mean it tasted nice it tasted nice but it didn't obviously taste like an egg it tasted like coconuts because it was made out of like coconut milk or something it was it was tasty but you know you eat with your eyes (laughs) (laughs) um it's just like i don't know i think a lot of people um sort of frown upon vegan stuff imitating uh, real thing like you know so a lot of people don't like these like vegan burgers that like you know the impossible burger or whatever was the one that things that mimic that bleeds mm. and then like you know stuff like that and they're like oh you know if you're going to be vegan you should just be doing it properly and I'm like no like fuck I, it for me I find it so like entertaining when you have that stuff and it's yeah. like it's really well just because you're not just because you're vegan doesn't mean that you don't like like the taste of those things you just don't agree with how like they're i mean some people maybe they don't like the taste but for most vegans i'd say it's because of their ethical reasons and for health and the environment and blah 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 um so of course like why wouldn't you eat something yeah that tastes like the thing you like yeah no i thought so yeah my are good though they do a lot of vegan stuff yeah um, but they do make you sit on big benches, which is really annoying. Yeah. And then what else did we do? Oh, we had um, my sister's and her, uh, my sister's boyfriend down. Um, and Tom filmed our wedding video for us. Um, so he showed it to us for the first time. And it was... And I really liked it, but I wasn't sure if... In... <laughs> enjoyed it I, I made everyone watch it. I think five times, like, like... 
I sat everyone once. So we watched it once, and then Finn was like, right, I have to watch it again. <laughs> so he literally just pressed restart. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, it's fair enough. We, there's a lot to see. And then a third time, and a fourth time, and then me and Tom left and started making some food. And but then we no, could just hear the music playing over and over again. And then the next morning, they were watching it again. <laughs> I love it. And then so on the su- and then I said to Finn, I was like, you can't watch it anymore because you'll spoil it for yourself. And no. she was like, okay, I'm not, oh, I just, yeah, I won't watch it. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the corner shop and just get some snacks for the evening. <laughs> Gone for like two minutes, got back over the door, sitting on the sofa. Just hear the music again. playing from it. Like, oh, I love so. it. Um, so I'm going to share it. I've been writing like a little write up about our wedding, um, and I'm putting some pictures on there, and then I'm going to link our wedding video at the end. So if you in want a to, blog in a blog post, yeah. Oh. Um, so yeah, if you want to watch it, then you feel free. Um, and then I promise I'll stop going on about the wedding. Um, Never stop going on that. And then, yeah, so we went into Hastings with them. So, have they... Your sisters haven't been here before, have they? Yeah, they both have. Um, no, not to this house, though. No, not to our house, no. But they've been to Hastings generally yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we just did, like, a little tour of all, like, classic best pubs. Classic best pubs, our favourite shops, took them in Hawk and Dove Vintage, and Verity bought... No, Nancy bought a dress. Um, yeah, so it was a really nice weekend. It was really nice. And then it's done nothing but rain all week in Hastings. I mean, I think it has in pretty much anywhere in the country today. Um, like, not even, like, a little bit of rain. Like, biblical levels of rain. It's been insane. I mean, it's like June now. And I huddled over a soup at lunch wearing a puffer jacket and ate it. <laughs> like, That's so literally, like I wanted, like It's like being in a fucking Arctic expedition yeah, or something. Yeah, it really is. It's just like... Oh, it's so grim. Because, like, in you know, when it's, like, winter, at least it's cosy. Yeah. You like a fire. I mean, I don't warm. mind it so much because, like, um, I always feel guilty when I'm painting, like inside if it's nice weather because I'm a typical British person where I'm like oh my god the sun is out I have to go out in it because we don't get much of it so you feel like you need really need to make the most of it while it's around um so when it's like tipping it down raining I don't really mind because it means that I don't feel less guilty about doing work and stuff I just get on with my work and I've had a couple of really good audio books that I've been listening to this week yeah so. had some good commissions and sounds of things yes I have yeah very good. Um, so, shall I recommend... Uh, I'll recommend a couple of things. Um, I listened to Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered, uh, my favourite murders new book, which was really good. And I love them, and I'm proud of them. That was the audiobook? The audiobook, yeah. Um, oh, you got it off Audible? Yes, I did. Oh, Free. so, sign up to Audible... Make sure you cancel by the end of the month because else they just charge you seven ninety nine without asking. Um, Unless you enjoy it, then you but, can carry yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> so, but you get one free audio book and then um, top tip, if you go to cancel the subscription, they'll offer you another free book just to stay in the contract. But then you can cancel afterwards anyway. So I listened to Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered, which was very good. I really rate it. The only criticism I would have is that it wasn't long enough I wanted more um because I could listen to them talking all day and then I listened to Daring Greatly um 
by Brianne Brown. Hang on, where's the full title? Let me get it up. Which, I mean, frankly... Um, I mean, I know you enjoyed it because you were literally... I've gone every, on and on and on and on about it. Every day it's when I've got... so amazing. I mean, I don't need to listen to it because every day when I got home from work, you I ranted don't. at me about... It's called Daring Greatly, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent and Lead. And wow, it's a revelation. It's really great. Well, basically, because I was listening to Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered and um, Georgia in it said, you have to listen to this book. Um, Me and Karen, the podcast host, listened to it and the podcast wouldn't have happened if we hadn't listened to it. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to give it a go. Um, And yeah, it's just like... It just makes you it's so relatable and it's all about sort of being vulnerable and how not letting shame kind of stand in the way of your um your hopes and dreams basically and that um like addressing how shame affects us and um how vulnerability can um build human connections with people and that um human connection is what we're built for and um, yeah, it just tran- it's supposed to transform your life when you um, understand vulnerability and can use it to your advantage. And so. then you can, because then when you don't have any vulnerability and you know everyone else around you is weak, you can manipulate them. <laughs> no, that's them not the idea, Ollie. It's that. <laughs> I'm joking, obviously, that's not the idea. Yeah. Um, but there's a really great. But that would work. Yeah, there's a really great quote. Hang on, I'll read that out. Um, Because it will give you a feel of what the book is about. Um, Sorry, this is... Nobody likes the... um, Who wouldn't want to listen to you slowly typing one finger at a time? Well, you can feel the silence. I mean, I always do when you go and let Tover out or something. (laughs) How dare you? I just talk to myself. Okay. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the door of uh, door of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short and short again and again, who spends himself in a, on a worthy cause, who at best knows... Um, in the end, the triumph of a high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while he was daring greatly. And that's Donald Trump who said that. No, which is it's amazing. not. It's Theodore Roosevelt. Oh right, sorry. But it did really make me think, actually, of that so- the song, um, the Impossible Dream. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's a bit like that. Well, it's that sort of like against the odds, trying your hardest kind of thing. Yeah, it's just about like yeah, trying your hardest and that. Um, like, even... The only problem with trying your hardest is it's a lot easier to say try your hardest than it actually is to try your hardest. Um, I feel like that's a cop-out, but whatever. Just saying. Yeah. Anyway, so... Try. I really, I really enjoyed the book and I made, it made me want to read it again after I finished it. Well, that's always good. Because I, I you... feel like it didn't properly soak in and I feel like I, I just want it to go into my psyche so I, like, know it all. And I don't even have to, like, actively think. It will just be in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I've been listening to a podcast called This is Branchburg. Branchburg. I suppose it depends where you're from in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is 
a like little sketch show, but it's kind of done a bit like Welcome to Night Vale or something, where it's like... What's Welcome to Night Vale? Welcome to Night Vale is like sort of a... It's kind of this American lifestyle documentary about a town, except the town doesn't exist. And it's oh, sort of like I actors know. And they, oh, that sounds awful. I hate it. Uh, well, this is like a comedy one. And so the, it's these two friends who make this podcast, but they're really championed by Tim and Eric. You know those comedians, Tim and Eric? Yes, I know Tim and Eric. So they like produce the podcast. I mean, there's only like six episodes and they're like 15 minutes long. But a couple of them made me like actually laugh out loud on the train and have to pause, which is always a good sign. Okay. I don't think I'll you like wouldn't this. like this. No, but someone if if there's people out there who don't just like to listen to podcasts about people getting cancer and dying, <laughs> I like comedy podcasts sometimes, but I like I don't know sketch stuff is like no. I I'll watch it on t- I like watching sitcoms and things on TV, but not on a podcast. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you indeed. I just thought I'd mention it because I listened to it. It's quite funny. Yeah. Okay. Um. And then also, I watched this programme that I don't think many people have heard of, called Killing Eve. Oh my god. I, so I've been pestering Ollie to watch this for months, because I watched I've it... I've seen two episodes <clears throat> now. I watched it when it came out last year, and I think I finished it... Well, it was while Ollie was away with work, and so I was at home on my own, and I think I watched it in one evening, or maybe one and a half. It's so good! <laughs> All and your friend... most, like, intense, like, stories are, like, start with... Ollie was away with work, and I baked 52 cakes, <laughs> and I watched 19 films back-to-back... <laughs> Well, I'm not very good at being on my own. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, no, I'm I'm just at my most productive self when I'm on my own. Yeah, you don't have me slowing you down. Yeah, I, like I clean and tidy everything and then I kind of look around the house like, what can I do now? So then I just end up watching like films that I've always wanted to watch, but you won't let me because they've got, I don't know, romance in it. <laughs> Ugh, worst. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy. No, because the second series is coming out, and so, well, it is out, and I want Ollie to catch up so I can watch it with him. Anyway, I've watched three episodes so far. I thought you said two. I don't know. Two or three. Okay, so it's not gripped. Let's. <laughs> this is disappointing. I've only seen. A... I haven't watched much. Just let me. Let me see, get into it. I I like it. it so far. It's good. I loved all the characters. I loved the writing. I loved the... Her wardrobe is... I mean, that's my favourite bit too. So oh far. my I God, her wardrobe. I want the whole thing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I loved it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you haven't seen it, like me, it's definitely, it seems worth watching so far. Yeah. Everyone um, seems to like it. So I presume it's good. <laughs> um, shall I read out... My cute thing. Yeah, come on. Okay, so my cute... Give it to me. Okay. My cute thing is funny, um, but it has a cute ending, so I think it kind of counts. It's depressing and funny and um, nice at the same time, so... And twists and turns. Twists and turns, everyone. Twists and turns, so get ready. That's all about. Um, This is a Twitter thread that I found. Well, actually... Um, someone I follow on Instagram shared it on their stories and I couldn't believe it. It was just <laughs> mad. So I had to read it out on the podcast because it's just the best. Okay, so this is a tweet by Sixth Form Poet, um, in case you want to go follow him on Twitter. So one, my dad died. 
Classic start to a funny story. He was buried in a small village in Sussex. I was really close to my dad, so I visited his grave a lot. I still do. Don't worry, it gets funnier, in brackets. <laughs> I always took flowers and my mum visited a lot and she always took flowers and my grandparents were still alive then and they always took flowers. My dad's grave frequently resembled a solid third place at the Chelsea Flower Show. Nice, but I felt bad for the guy buried next to my dad. He never had flowers. Died on Christmas Day, age 37. No one left him flowers and now there's an, a pop-up florist on the grave next door. <laughs> so I started buying him flowers. I started buying flowers for a deceased man I'd never met. <laughs> I did this for quite some time, but I never mentioned it to anyone. It was a little private joke with myself. I was making the world a better place one bunch of flowers at a time. I know it sounds weird, but I came to think of him as a friend. I wondered if there was a hidden connection between us, something secretly drawing me to him. Maybe we went to the same school, played for the same football club or whatever. So I googled his name and 10 seconds later, I found him. His wife didn't leave him flowers because he'd murdered her on Christmas Day. After he murdered her, he murdered her parents too. And after that, he jumped in front of the only train running through Balcombe Tunnel that Christmas night. That is why no one left him flowers. It's no one except me, of course. I left him flowers. I left him flowers every couple of weeks, every couple of weeks for two and a half years. <laughs> I felt terrible for his wife and her parents. Now I wasn't going to leave them flowers every couple of weeks for two and a half years, but I did feel like I owed them some sort of apology. I found out where they were buried, bought flowers and drove to the cemetery. As I was standing at their graves mumbling apologies, a woman appeared to me. Well, a whip appeared to me like a ghost, <laughs> appeared behind me. She wanted to know who I was and why I was leaving flowers for her aunt and grandparents. Awkward. <laughs> I explained that she said, I explained and she said, okay, that's weird, but quite sweet. I said, thanks. Yes, it is a bit weird. And oh God, I asked her out for a drink. Incredibly, she said yes. Two years later, she said yes again when I asked her to marry me because that is how I met my wife. The end. <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, I love it so much. I really hope it's true. I really, really, really hope it's true. I think it's true. Well, I don't know. I am. I'm just gonna say it's true. <laughs> yeah, something's better to just say to yourself. That's true. It's amazing. I love it so much. That I mean, I never watched properly the program how i met your mother surely that should have been the plot do you know what it sounds like a plot to um what's that program with uh inside number nine yeah it does doesn't it who's that got reese shear smith and steve pemberton yeah it's just such a good story because it's like it's i mean please i I mean has someone tweeted reese shear smith he needs to read that I mean, I saw there was quite a lot of celebrities who were like, that's amazing. Well, that's how I, um, well, I found it because Jamila, Jamil shared it. Um, It's just so good. It's like the perfect little short story. It's so funny. It's amazing. I (laughs) bloody loved it. Um, Yeah. So. It's very cute as well. It's pretty cute. It's about someone meeting their wife. So, I mean, I think that's cute. It's cute in my books. (laughs) Well, you know, you're a cute wife, Finley. I am a cute wife. We realised that I'm a cute wife on The Cute Life. Cute, that, we should have changed the name of the podcast to Cute Wife. The Cute instantly, Wife. Instantly, the second you were married. I know. Damn it. Okay. Although um, that makes it slightly more about you than it is about me. Well, Although it's it my, po- it's it's my podcast. It's your podcast. 
I mean, it's our podcast, really. But it just happens to be on my platform because you don't want any of your work friends to listen to this because you what? constantly slag off your work. <laughs> well, you know. See, most people, if they're smart, do a podcast with someone who would equally share and like promote it to like help boost the numbers but instead i'm doing it with my husband who is desperate for nobody to listen to it because he doesn't want all his secrets getting out better if it's private no i mean i just don't really use any social media stuff at the moment because i'm too busy with work lies 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 i don't use it (laughs) you use instagram barely i haven't posted anything i haven't posted anything since before we were married Mm. Or since the day we got married on Instagram, mm. which is like a month ago. So, by your standards, that's not much posting. You post stuff every day. Yes, my point exactly. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying I don't have time. <laughs> You're just proving my point more. <laughs> I'm just saying it's hard. Yeah, okay, babe. Um, what is your... Do you have a story? Yes, I Something. do. Um, Something to contribute to this podcast that you don't want anyone to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know about D.B. Cooper? Mm, D.B. Cooper. Hijacked a plane. Mm, I don't think so. In 1971. Um, Is this... did, Did this have a GQ article written about him? Possibly. Is he a boy? No, that was the Barefoot Bandit. Oh my god, that's good. Oh shit, that's next week's one. I'm writing it in my notebook right now. I mean, I literally have the tab open for that, but we'll come. We'll do it next week. Okay, I'm going. I'm writing that down because that deserves its whole podcast, like a whole podcast episode. Bam! Can you hear my furious? Screaming? Yeah, can you hear that? The furious scratching of Finn's <laughs> quill on her. Exclamation mark! Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, nineteen seventy-one. Okay, go. Yeah. November 24th. Right. Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Eve. Okay. Not after your birthday. It's like a month after your birthday. Same month as my birthday. Okay. I mean, I'm reading this backwards, so I'm starting again. So, on Thanksgiving Eve, <laughs> November 24th, 1971. <laughs> I don't know how far I could have gone just reading bits backwards. Right, a middle-aged man carrying a black case yeah. approached the flight counter of Northwest Orient Airlines, uh, I feel like that company must have gone out of business with that name, uh, at What's Port- it called? Northwest Orient Airlines, at Portland International Airport. He, in- he identified himself as Dan Cooper and used cash to purchase a one-way ticket on flight 305, a 30-minute trip north to Seattle. Cooper boarded the aircraft at Boeing 727-100, FAA registration N467 at US, mm. important details. Uh, took seat 18C in the rear passenger cabin. He lit a cigarette, show you a sign of the times, and ordered a bourbon can, and soda. Can we just take a moment to appreciate that people like actually smoked on planes? How fucking revolting It's that so bad, be. isn't it? Can you imagine how much he must have stank when he got off the plane? I mean, there's literally no fresh air. Oh, right? it's revolting. Um, Sorry, carry on. Fellow passengers described him as a man in his mid-40s between 5 foot 10 and 6 foot. He wore a lightweight black raincoat, loafers, a dark suit, neatly pressed, collared white shirt, a black clip-on tie, and a mother-of-pearl tie pin. That's very... How did... That's very observant of them. How yeah, did I they mean, notice that? 
I wouldn't probably... have noticed. I wouldn't even recognise whether he had blonde or brown hair, probably. <laughs> well, I don't even notice that. I probably would have noticed man, and that was about it. Maybe they're like, why is that man smoking on a plane? That's not allowed. So, flight 305, approximately one-third full, departed Portland on schedule. Shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed a note to Florence Schnaffer. Schaffner? Schnaffner. Schaffner, the (laughs) flight attendant, situated nearest to him in a jump seat attached to this aft stair door. Schaffner, assuming the note contained a lonely businessman's phone number, again, sign of the times, <laughs> dropped it unopened into her purse. Cooper leaned forward and whispered to her, Miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. What? I love that, like, I mean, it's so sexy. She's like, but in, the la, seven, la, 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 la. in the 70s, they got so many men hitting on them that they didn't even bother opening anonymous notes. I mean, I feel like that happens today anyway. Do you reckon? Well, today they just like stick their hand up your skirt, I think. Well, we'll cover that in my follow up story. Okay. Uh, the note was printed in neat, all capital letters with felt tip pen. Its exact wording is unknown because Cooper later reclaimed it, but she recalled that the note said that Cooper had a bomb in his briefcase. After she read the note, Cooper told her to sit beside him. She did as requested, then quietly asked... Oh, fuck no. I'm not sitting next to you, mate. Then quietly asked to see the bomb. What? This woman's crazy. She deserves to get blown up. Like, what's she doing? Don't ask to see the bomb. Run the other fucking way. Go get the pilot. Say, don't show me the bomb. Yeah, no, you keep, you keep it in that suitcase. Cooper opened his briefcase long enough for her to glimpse eight red cylinders attached to wires coated with red insulation and a large cylindrical battery. I mean, to be fair, like, I mean, would she really, I mean, would she really know, like, what a working bomb would look like? No, I wouldn't know what a bomb looks like. No, I wouldn't. The only way I'd know it was a bomb is if it had, like, ticking... TNT written Yeah, TNT written down, and it said, like, one minute, it was going 59, 58. <laughs> like, shit. Shit. Uh, after closing the briefcase, he stated his demands. $200,000 in negotiable American currency, four parachutes, two primary, two reserves, and a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the aircraft upon arrival. She, uh, the air hostess, conveyed Cooper's instructions to the pilots in the cockpit. When she returned, Cooper was wearing dark glasses. Oh, they always are. They always are. Never trust anyone in glasses. Oh, shit. I'm wearing some now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the pilot told uh, the Seattle Air Traffic Control, who told the uh, the local and federal authorities, the 36 passengers were given false information that their arrival in Seattle would be delayed because of a minor mechanical difficulty. Can I just... Um, what year was this again? 71. Okay. So it is early 70s. Okay. Uh... The Northwest Orient's president authorised payment of the ransom and ordered all employees to cooperate fully with the hijackers' demands. The effort, the that air... goes against American protocol, doesn't it? I know, I think that's with like, I think they don't negotiate with like foreign terrorists. But they do their own? I don't know, it's different that times, 70. They're all smoking on planes, they don't have time to worry about like, yeah, okay. things. Uh, anyway, uh... So basically, they said, yeah, they were going to give him everything they wanted. They circled the plane for two hours to allow the Seattle police and the FBI sufficient time to assemble Cooper's parachutes, ransom money, and to get the fuel truck ready. Did you say how much he wanted? $200,000. Do you know how much that is in today's money? No. Okay. I assume... A lot. 
more than 200 grand because yeah, otherwise he was more... aiming quite low yeah like more like millions probably I guess it was like 2 mil yeah guess I'm literally making that up but yeah, cool. it sounds plausible the things we do for 2 million pounds eh? uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's all other podcast <laughs> Schaffner recalled that Cooper appeared familiar with the local terrain at one point he remarked Looks like Tacoma down there. As the aircraft <laughs> flew above it. I'm sorry. I see now it's his voice. Okay. As the aircraft flew above it. It's so weird that like he's like pointing out like sightseeing things out of the window. Oh, it's Disneyland. Uh, I hope everyone's enjoying Ollie's American accent. He also correctly mentioned that McCord Air Force Base was only a 20 minute drive from the sea. I mean, why is he saying all this shit? He's just getting himself in trouble. Uh, and the voice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Schaffner described him as calm, polite and well-spoken not at all consistent with the stereotypes bracket enraged, hardened criminals or take me to America political dissidents popularly associated with air piracy at the time Right. Uh, another flight attendant agreed he wasn't nervous, he seemed rather nice he wasn't cruel or nasty, he was thoughtful and calm all the time he that's ordered, creepier isn't it he ordered a second bourbon and water paid his drink tap weird and, and offered to request meals for the flight crew during the stop in Seattle. Who is this man? Uh, FBI agents assembled the ransom money, 10,000 unmarked $20 bills, most of which beginning with serial numbers, beginning with the letter L. Don't know why. Uh, and took photographs of all of them, which is impressive in two hours. Of the notes, that's a good idea though. So they'd be unmarked, but then if they had the... Maybe because they had the serial... Yeah. Uh, Cooper rejected the military-issue parachutes offered to them, offered to him, and instead demanded civilian parachutes, which were ma- with manually operated ripcords. Seattle police obtained them from a local skydiving school and gave them to him. I assume that's because he thought that they might be... Might tamper with them or Yeah, something. rigged or something. Uh, so then at 5.24pm, he let the people off the plane... I'm just skipping through this bit because obviously there's a lot of details. Um, and then uh, the police delivered the cash-filled knapsacks and parachutes to him via the aft stairs. They keep talking about aft stairs, no idea what they are. Yeah. Um, during, refu- during the refueling, which was happening while they were landed, mm. uh, Cooper outlined his flight plan to the cockpit crew. A southeast course towards Mexico City at the minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft. At a maximum of 10,000 feet. He further specified that the landing gear remained deployed in the takeoff landing position. The wing flaps be lowered by 15 degrees and the cabin remain unpressurised. Um, this is boring. <laughs> these are all important facts. Just catch the point. So, 7.40pm. Takeoff again. Right, yeah. <laughs> You're losing me. No. Oh my god. The flight attendant was called Mucklow. Just like in um, this country. Okay, cool. Um, so, they take off. They go back into the air. I mean, really? Come on. <laughs> Hurry this up. I can't. So, essentially, they go into the air. He puts a parachute on. He jumps out. They never see him again. I mean, I feel like... You could have got to that point a lot quicker. I was trying to build up excitement. You build, built up nothing, my love. Oh, man. But that's it. So it was at the time, it was the most money that had ever been given someone who was doing a ransom. And they thoroughly searched the area where he landed. And they couldn't find any trace of him. 
Money never turned up. He never turned up. I mean, that's more exciting. So where is he? Who is he? What did he do? Have you got theories? I want to hear your theory. Okay, so you don't have any theories then. I mean, there's a lot of theories. Literally, <clears throat> this is like millions of theories on the, on the um, internet. I'm going to say he was from a another... Maybe he was from like another airline or something? Well, I think the thing that people seem to say is that um, he was probably something to do with the military because he pointed out to the air hostess like, oh, there's a military airport. Mm. And he didn't want the military um, parachutes. But that's kind of weird. You think he would want the military pass- um, passports <laughs> parachutes <laughs> because he would know how to use them. Yeah. But don't you just think it's safe? Like, I think just the idea that he like got on the plane and like ordered a drink and had a ciggy and then was like, oh, by the way, here's a little notes. Have you, has this been on This Paranormal Life? I don't know, probably. Mm. It's a really popular, really popular like conspiracy theory story. Mm. Um, but they only stopped investigating it, the FBI, uh, in 2016. Mm. And they finally concluded that they don't know who he was. And they don't think they're ever going to find out. Weird. But oh, just... wouldn't you like... If I had to have like one superpower, I think it would be like finding out... Or like, if you could go back in time to find out... Like the truth behind a conspiracy theory. You just, that's it. You just like, you like just want to know, fun. don't you? I just want to know so bad... Like, who was he? Well, there was a man called Dwayne Weber, Dwayne Weber, who was a World War Two army veteran who served time in at least six prisons from 1945 to 1968 for burglary and forgery. Um, they slightly suspected him. Three days before he died in 1995, he told his wife, I am Dan Cooper. <gasps> the name meant nothing to her, she said. But months later, a friend told her of its significance in the hijacking. She went to her local library to research D.B. Cooper. And, um, and then she found out all that shit. Found Max Gunther's book. Max Gunther's a guy who wrote like this very like conclusive story of all of the things. Right. And found her husband's handwriting in the margins <gasps> of the library book. Fuck off. That's amazing. So it was him. Well... Not necessarily. I'm going to do so much reading up about this tomorrow. The FBI eliminated him as a suspect in uh, 1998 because they said his fingerprints did not match any of those in the hijack. Oh, yeah, but he had all that money. He could have, like, ground off his fingerprints or something. They can change shit like that, I'm sure. I am sure, like, people high up in the military... Okay, this is getting very conspiracy. Yes, come on. What, people high up in the military change their fingerprints? Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, like, um, or um, the FBI. I'm sure they can do it. Don't tell me that they can't do it. I'm sure they can. I think it's... I mean, I I think for the FBI that would be an easy thing to do. Yeah, but he wasn't in the FBI. Yeah, but we don't know that. But why would... <laughs> anyway, interestingly, do you remember that a while ago the FBI released loads of, like, their old papers? Yes, yes, yes. 
you can read his file on the FBI website. Oh my god, know what I'm doing for my bedtime reading for the rest of time. Uh, I was reading through it a little bit at work earlier. Yeah. Employee of the month. Uh, <laughs> Another reason why Ollie doesn't want to publicise this podcast. <laughs> this is why, like, I can't speak the truth. Um, We're just being our authentic selves. You know, it's it's not like you can't read through their files like a book. It's not like reading uh, like a story, but it's just interesting, and you can sort of see some kind of stuff. There's some pretty interesting stuff in there. FBI vaults, mm. FBI vaults as well. Yeah. But the reason I thought about this. And yeah. this is a very short story, but it reminded me because it's also about hijacking. Is a story from today, so there's not that much news about it. Ooh. Literally, the BBC news articles from one hour ago. Oh, so an Indian businessman has been jailed for life uh, after faking the hijack of a plane. And this is slightly conflicting stories, but basically, either to try and flirt with the air hostess. Or, now in this BBC article, it's a slightly different story, but to try and get a woman. What? So in India, they have super strict laws about hijacking planes. I mean, I think they have quite strict laws. I mean, I should hij- hope that they'd have strict laws everywhere about hijacking planes. Well, yeah, but in India, you... Do you die or something? You get put to death if yeah. you hijack a... Or take a hostage and hurt them. Right, okay. This guy didn't take it. It didn't hurt anyone. But... He just asked for their number, yeah. apparently. <laughs> So, an Indian businessman has been jailed for life after planting a fake hijacking letter in the toilet of a Jet Airways flight from Delhi to Mumbai. Uh, Burju Sala said he had hoped the air carrier would close its Delhi operations and his girlfriend, an air stewardess on the flight, would have to move into uh, move to live with him in Mumbai. Oh man, you're really intense. Like, just maybe I'm like so intense, take sorry. a chill pill. Like, how long have you been going out with her? Oh, yeah. Oh, he was also cheating on her. What? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this guy? So he, Run a mile, love! So he was fined 50 million rupees. I don't know how much that is, but go on. Uh, it's like £650,000. Okay. Which doesn't seem that much. That seems quite a lot. Uh, so he's the first person to be tried under India's new anti-hijacking laws that were brought in in 2016. Jesus Christ, this guy's a psycho. Which is a minimum sentence of life imprisonment and a maximum sentence of death. Of death. So, like, honestly, how do you even, like, look in the mirror and, like, come to terms with, like, who you are as a person and think that's okay behaviour? So, the businessman confessed to writing and printing the threat note in his Mumbai office before catching the flight in October 2017. The note said it, um, that he left said that there were 12 hijackers and several explosives on board and demanded that the flight be diverted to Pakistan. Salah was arrested after the plane made an emergency landing uh, 800 kilometres from its intended destination. At the time, he was having an extramarital affair with the air hostess. What? So he was married? So he was married. This guy's a piece of shit. So apparently he'd asked her to move to Mumbai, but she refused, probably because he was already married in Mumbai. Yeah, I'm not I'm probably upping like, Why my life I... for yeah. a married man, thanks. So, and this is literally the most plen- mental plan ever. He thought by defaming the airline... What is wrong with him? That he needs she to... would lose her job and be forced to move in with him. Oh my god, this guy really needs actual help. Like, what is wrong with you? Are you okay? Like, what's going on in your brain? I just, it blows my mind that some people can think like that. Like, why, 
How, like, what has happened in your life that you think that that's acceptable behaviour? But the other article I read said that he um, had had done it, like, had given her the note, like, jokingly to try and impress her. Oh like, hey, guess what? I'm hijacking this plane. This guy, babe, you can do better. You can do anyway, so much better. Anyway, he's in jail for life now, so... Yeah. You know. Oh, um, do you want to get a little top off our drinkies? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. Right. Okay, back in a mo. We're back. We're just talking actually about um I fucking hate so Ollie's got someone at work who um like does like weird trendy handshakes with him and Ollie's like awkward and doesn't know how to deal with he it. He does cool dude handshakes. Yeah. He's an artist, so if and it he's was cool and Ollie's like doesn't know how to deal with it. Well basically he sort of does like slow high fives and then like, we sort of, like, high-five, and then basically just ends up with, like, us holding hands for, like, a second. <laughs> and then just, like, me being too, like, English and not being able to deal with it and just, like, slowly, like, drooping my hands Because he's on. French, isn't he? Yeah. He's French and cool, and Ollie is not. Um, just Ollie's English, English. and dorky. <laughs> Thanks, mate. And then I, I was saying that I'd think I'd prefer that, and I fucking hate having to kiss people on the cheek. Like, I don't mind, like... I mean, obviously, I kiss Ollie on the cheek. I'd kiss my mum. I kiss my family and maybe close friends. But like strangers, you barely know. Like I don't want you kissing me. Like it's weird. And then it's this awkward thing where you don't know whether to do one or two. And then sometimes you do one, and then you get it wrong, and they go to two for two, and then you brush lips, and it's like super awkward and awful. And I don't understand why people. It's fine do with it. your friends. It's just like. If you don't know the person, just shake hands. Yeah, like, yeah, and also it's like, it's, well, it's, I suppose it's the, the older generation more so than ours. I prefer a hug, like, why can't we just do a hug? Like, especially if it's like family or whatever that you don't really see that often. Like, just, can we just hug? Like, it's less weird to me anyway. I can't wait till the whole kissing on the cheek thing dies a death. It's literally never going to die a death. Oh. <sighs> It's been going on for, like, hundreds and hundreds of years. I might just, yeah, maybe I should, like, do a, put a stand, like, stand up and be like, I just don't do kissing on the cheek, thank you. Where are you going to make that announcement? Just every time someone goes to jail, I'll be like, no, I don't do that, thank you. Here's my hand. (laughs) Here's my hand. You can shake it if you wish, (laughs) or you can just stand there and say hello from a distance. What if they want to kiss your hand? Like, you sort of offer your hand That's even worse. Get your lips off my fingers. No no one's ever done that. (laughs) Yeah. Who's done that? I feel like that's happened to me. That never happened to you. Yeah, it definitely You're not the queen. by some creepy guy. Yeah, 100%. Oh, that's so grim. Yeah, gross. I didn't anyway, um, uh, I did just want to touch on slightly because this has happened twice to two people that I really like respect and really love their work on Instagram that they've had their work copied and I can see how much it's upset them and I know how much it's upset them because it's happened to me several times before not to well actually one of which was a very large extent where she was even copying my um signature and my whole website lifted all my text um it's incredibly hurtful and the two artists that happened to this week like have spent years like perfecting their style and like and growing their audience and 
like making a business for themselves and then for someone just to like come along even though it's it's definitely coming from a place of admiration and that they obviously think they're doing something right but like I know they say um flat what's it flattery is the most sincere no form of Imitation is, is the, the sincerest form of flattery, yeah, like but that. it doesn't make it any less like annoying or hurtful. Um, so yeah, that's just my two cents on that. I just think it's really like out of order, and it's totally fine to be um, influenced by people's work. I'm influenced by people's work, but there's a difference between being influenced and just flat out ripping off someone's style. I do think it tends to kind of be either big name brands which is just a whole other issue in the bloody art and illustration industry um ripping off artists who can't afford to like go after the companies and with lawsuits and things because it just gets too expensive um so they know they can get away with it and it's bullshit um or it's like smaller um emerging illustrators or um, students who perhaps start off by copying an artist to learn and then it kind of goes a bit far with sharing it. And it's like that, I kind of feel like that's okay as well, like where you're copying to learn, but just don't share it online. Yeah. Or I mean, don't sell it. That is no, I think so not it, okay. You can, sort of, I, you can sort of see how it would snowball though from like, you sort of look at someone's Instagram, you really like their stuff, and then you sort of start drawing a little bit more in their style, and then you get some positive feedback, and then yeah. you're like, Yeah, oh, this to... is working, so I'm going to do more of their stuff. And then you're like, you know, everyone has that, like, drought of ideas when they can't think of anything to draw, and then you're like, oh, just have a look at that person's Instagram again, and then you're like, I can see, like, how it happened, but if you then start selling shit, that's definitely someone else's and you know it in your you know. heart then yeah. you're just shit <laughs> that's all just fuck off <laughs> should never pick up a pencil again I think Ollie's speaking get a job in an I think Ollie might be being a bit defensive of me because maybe he's no yeah it's true yeah it's too many artists don't need another crap well one. it's just like just stop like I think it's like this whole big it's younger artists, I think, feel hard done by because they see other um, artists and illustrators with bigger accounts, like, doing well, and they they feel frustrated and um, jealous of their success. And so it kind of comes from a place of trying to, like, step on people to get to the top. Um, and they think by nicking ideas off people who they deem successful will get them somewhere. And it just, it doesn't work like that. As soon as you, the sooner you realise that like we're all in it together and like you only really get anywhere by like building relationships with people and helping people out and yeah, like not trampling on people. It's not how it's, it's not how I think it should work anywhere. And, and you just don't, people see through that shit. Like, yeah, you see I mean, through it. You're never going to be able to keep that up. No. Like, what are you going to do? Just copy that person forever? No, exactly. You can't. Like, you have to stand on your own two feet and make your own work. And, yeah, that's my two cents on that anyway. It just made me feel really angry and upset when I keep seeing, like, twice this week to different yeah, people it's happened. And it's just happening more and more. And it's bullshit. It's bullshit, people. It's bullshit. So we should all just band together and, like, help each other out and, like, stop. And if you see someone on Instagram who's ripping someone off, 
Just send, just like comment on one of their pictures and be like, oh, have you seen this person? And then just tag the person who is obviously and be like, oh, you'd really like their art. Because I'm pretty sure most of the time that would give people enough of a hint. Yeah. And if they don't... Well, I always always try and let the person know if, like the person who they're ripping off, just because it's happened to me and I find it really upsetting and hurtful and I'd want to know if someone had done that to me. So... Yeah, if you do, I'm not, I think by saying comment on their work that you might be producing some vigilantes and... Yeah, good. No, you don't want that. Flaming torches. No, because they're obviously like insecure about their work and that's why they're copying someone in the first place. It's because they feel insecure about their work and so they think by mimicking someone else that it will get them somewhere and they're obviously, yeah, insecure about their own style. So, but like getting people to like comment on their work is just like kind of mean but unless they're a dickhead and then in yeah. which case they deserve it no of course you have to make that you have to choice make, yeah. are they a dickhead are they a dickhead do they deserve to be publicly shamed if so then shame do it. Away. shame 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 actually no no shame oh, no God. shame ollie this you and your bloody book daring greatly says shame is the root of all unhappiness so no shaming well no shaming. when ollie writes his book Called You Shames Your Advantage. <laughs> and we'll see you. Okay. You better buy a copy, otherwise I'll have no sales. Um, did you want to end on something more positive? Yeah, I just was... Uh, this is very positive. Okay. Very life-affirming. Uh, just a thread on Reddit which is like a website on the internet where you can just like ask questions and post things. I still don't really understand what Reddit is. I mean, I enjoy that you know what it is because you just tell I me just the, pick hi- out the, the highlights. highlights. Yeah. So someone posted on, parents of Reddit, what is the creepiest thing your young child has ever said to you? Oh my God. Right. So basically what they've done, the way that Reddit works is like you upvote the things that you think are good. So the best stuff's at the top and then it gets worse. So this is the top one. I was tucking in my two-year-old. He said, goodbye, dad. I said, no, we say goodnight. He said, I know, but this time it's goodbye. Oh my God, stop. I had to to check on him a few times in the night to make sure he was still there. Oh my God, that's so creepy. (laughs) Um, All right, another one. While changing my daughter in front of an open closet door, she kept looking around me and laughing. I asked her what was so funny. She said, the man... Oh my god. To which I replied, what man? She then pointed at the empty closet and said, the man with the snake neck. No. I turned around and there was nothing there. No. I'm really afraid to look into the history of my house to see if anyone hung themselves or anything. <gasps> the snake neck. Anyway, at least she wasn't scared. Oh, I've got goosebumps. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Next, I want more. Uh... More, more, more. Okay, wait. <laughs> oh my god, the snake, you know, that's horrible. My three-year-old daughter stood next to me as we looked at her newborn baby brother. She looked at him for a while and then she turned and looked at me and said, Daddy, it's a monster. We should bury it. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, little uh, kids come out with the funniest things. Bloody love it. Uh, right, let's, let's do one more. Okay. This sort of relates, so it's a little bit off topic, but... My childhood friend recently found his journal from when he was about six or seven. 
One entry said something along the lines of, Sometimes mummy gardens, sometimes daddy works inside the house. When daddy thinks I'm with mummy and mummy thinks I'm with daddy, sometimes I like to go into the neighbour's garage and play with their tools. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) So creepy. Oh my god. That is a child that later like burns down a church, right? Um, So when I was, this is a famous uh, story in our family. So when me and my sisters were little, um, my sister like drew a picture of our family and um, was talking up like, so she drew a picture of our family and then like the teacher went over and was like, oh, who's this person? Who's this person? And uh, so my sister was like, oh, this is my mummy and this is my daddy and this is my, my two sisters. And they were like, oh, so who's this man? And my sister was like... Um, it's my uncle. He comes to me in the night. <laughs> and my basically my uncle and my aunt used to live with us in our house when we were growing up and we love my uncle gave me a way at the wedding. Like we love him and yeah, so like my sister was like a really needy child, so like used to wake up in the middle of the night and cry to be cuddled. And so my uncle cuz his room was opposite he used to come in and like comfort us sometimes and so my sister said this in the, to the teacher primary school teacher and my mum got called in like Uncle Charles, they thought uncle charles was a paedophile oh, so bad he what he's not a paedophile <laughs> yeah just to clear that, weird that you <laughs> so funny he comes to me in the night <laughs> Alright, one last final one. Okay. Okay, okay. this is the end. Yeah. I was sound asleep and around 6am I was woken up by my four-year-old daughter, her face inches away from mine. <gasps> she looked right into my eyes and whispered, I want to peel all your skin off. What? Bit of a backstory. I'd been sunburned the previous week and was starting to peel. <laughs> and she started peeling off the skin and thought it was really fun. <laughs> In my sleep adult state, however, this was very terrifying for a few seconds. I'll peel your skin off. Ah, That's so funny. (laughs) Amazing. Alright. Okay, so next week we're going to do the Barefoot Bandit. Yeah, the Barefoot Bandit. That sounds... I'll try and make it into an exciting enough format to keep Finn interested. Yeah, I mean, that kind of like... But do look up... D.B. Cooper, because it is super interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look at the FBI case file on him. It's quite... Long. Dry. Dry, okay. But, like, there's some interesting stuff. You could probably watch a YouTube video where someone's made it really mm. interesting, unlike me. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's it for this week. Um, feel like that was quite a packed episode. I think it was quite long. Sorry, yeah. everyone. Um, I feel like I quite like long podcasts while I'm working and stuff, so I feel like I won't mind. I saw a thing and someone was saying, like, if you're making a podcast, it should never be more than 30 minutes long. And I was like, Oh, shit. I love them, like, an hour and a half long. I want an hour. Yeah. An hour is the perfect podcast length. Yeah. Which is why this one is over an hour. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Really boring. Really (laughs) annoying. Whatever. If you ever said anything creepy as a child... Oh my god, please, I want to hear that. Please mess Shit, that. I want to hear that. Or if you've met a creepy child. Or creepy family story that you're... Uh-oh, actually. If your uncle's a paedophile. If your uncle's right a Right in. <laughs> don't, obviously. Obviously don't, we're joking. Um, well, write in with your cute stories. Just, um, did I say my cute thing this week? Yeah. 
It was this... Oh, the story about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, write in with your cute stories, creepy stories, not your paedophile uncle stories, thank you. Um, unless they're funny. Unless they're funny. Um, follow us on Instagram at Ollie Place, like the fire, a fireplace. Thank you. Not like a fish place. Um, and at fi- uh, Finley Elliott Portraits. Um, rate, review... We'll read out kind reviews on the podcast. Um, and share, share, share. Please share. Um, and I think that's it, isn't it? That's everything. Yeah. Or well, just, right. like, message me if you want to chat about anything, because I like hearing... Oh, and keep calling Finn Finners if you message her. Not Finners. Not Finners. Oh. Finn. A couple of people I've noticed started calling me Finn, and it makes me happy. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what they're meant to do. Not so. Finners. Don't call her Finners. If- you call me Finners, I'm blocking you. <laughs> if you do call her Finners, tag me in it because I'll laugh. <laughs> no! Okay. Now everyone will do it. All right, bye bye. Oh. See you next week. Bye, guys. Love bye. you. Bye. Don't call me Finners. Bye. Bye, Finners.